Official Communique to Sector 3 Governor Denton Yang Year 264, Month 5, Spring Governor Yang, we were most displeased to hear of your failure to apprehend the heretics in Town 3-7 earlier this week. We gave you a great opportunity two years ago when we raised you to Governor. We took a chance on one so young, trusting that the favor shown to you by the sun was the sign of Gov's blessing. We had hoped that your apparent bond with the Foreign One would make up for your youth and lack of experience. And yet, you have disappointed us. Not only have you allowed the four young heretics, now six in fact, to escape your grasp, but it also turns out that you had an entire faction of the excommunicated operating right under your nose. A faction led by your sister, no less. Lean Sosimo Yang and this rainbow's apogee of hers grow unchecked while you, according to our sources, played with puppies and only grudgingly attended to your duties. Perhaps it was naive of us to assume that one favored of Gov would have matured beyond his years. Or perhaps the sun follows you not because Gov loves you, but rather because Gov believes that you need an even more careful eye upon you than any other man alive. Show us which it is, Governor. You have until the harvest to apprehend the young heretics, drive out Rainbow's apogee, and set your sector in order. Do not fail us again. Toil in Gov's light. Sun Minister de Winton. Left hand of the Church of Gov. Welcome back to Splinters of a Broken Sun, an actual play podcast. We have switched to the Fate Core system this session, so I hope that you'll continue to join us as we adventure through the desert towards Mandukai's Oasis. When last we left off, our heroes had made their way through an ancient underground mall, used a defense system to bore a hole through a bunch of debris up to the surface, and ran into Mandukai Alarmuti, whose joy is the fire, High Priestess of the Dunes, and Champion of Veliko. Before we find out what happens next, though, let's introduce the players. Hi, everybody. I am Keekers. You can find me at BeaSpaceCat on Twitter. Um, and I play Keva Jarma, the lovely, braided, team mom-type character of the group. And before we move on, why don't you just tell us Keva's aspects? Oh yes, Keva's new aspects and skills, perhaps? We'll just go with the aspects for now. Keva's main aspect, her high concept, as some might call it in the rulebook, is team parent. Her trouble is if you hurt my friend, I'll hurt you. Her other aspects include a way with animals, hidden arsenal, and the bond Keva looks to Maeve for help figuring things out. Thank you. Hello, I'm OG Brown Sugar, and I play Maeve Sentis, mother of spiders and heart of the swarm. Uh, Maeve's aspects are the following. Her high concept is seeker of truth. Her trouble is chaos is a ladder. Her other aspects are if you have the will, you make the way, and authority must prove its worth or it must be overthrown. And her aspect bond is Keva Cares. You will not find me on Twitter or any social media because I'm trying to avoid Big Brother as much as possible. The best way to do that is to be on a podcast, I find. 
Absolutely. How about you? Howdy, everyone. I'm Mike. You can find me on Twitter at GoodSirBlood. For the podcast, I play Emran Pak, who, whose high concept is that he's an extremely strong blacksmith. His trouble is that he has forged the blade and he must wield it. And his other aspects are, this might come in handy later, and I see through the shells of my dead gods. I have yet to make an aspect bond as of right now. All right. Maybe we'll get to that soon. Last but not least... Hi, I'm Jason, and you can find me on Twitter at Singing Chemist. I play Zonin Chan, the hat-making apprentice of one Hattrick Brimstone. My high concept is there's a hat for any occasion. My trouble is I have a thirst for firsts. One person's trash is this guy's treasure. And my bond is with Keekers. In fact, uh, thicker than water, because we have a blood bond. Indeed you do. Uh, and I play everyone and everything else. Now then, you are in the desert. This group of people wearing green, purple, and gold robes has arisen from the desert surrounding you. An impossibly tall, muscular woman with jet black hair and a four-pointed beard has approached you, wielding her monk's spade. And she said, I am Mandukai Alamuti, whose joy is the fire, high priestess of the dunes and champion of Veliko. What brings you to my oasis? What do you do? Emran focuses through his shield. Okay. You make yourself a will roll there. You need to do an average will roll. Sounds good. One new thing about fate is that instead of approaches, we have skills. And will is the skill that talks about willpower, surprisingly enough. As you can see, I did not. Uh, okay. You attempt to tap into your shield so that you can see through the eyes of the fox head on there. Uh, but there's too much distraction. Too much is surrounding you right now, and you're too new to this power. All you see is a chaos of swarming colors. Lean sent us. Mandukai uh, squints her eyes and lowers her head towards you. How do you know Lean? Emran uh, purses his brow and starts rubbing his head because he's got a headache, and he says, Lean is her mother, gesturing in the, the general uh, direction of Maeve's voice. Okay, well, technically not really, Emran. She was like, well, mentor. Her mentor? That would make you... Hmm. She reaches out a large hand towards your face and then pauses before touching you. I put my hand up before she can touch me. She pauses, you put your hand up at the same time, and she pulls her hand back. Sorry, I... I've heard much about you. You are Maeve? Indeed. I have to mention that Keva kind of, like, steps a little bit in front of Maeve when Mandukai, like, reaches out to touch her because she knows about Maeve's personal bubble. As you step forward, several of the people around you level spears and swords. But Mandukai waves them back, and they relax. So that means, let me see, you would be Keva. Keva Jarma. Yep, that is me. And this young man must be, she looks over at Emran. This would be Emran? You've got it. Emran Pak. And she looks at Zonin. And you're Dick. Emran looks a bit strained about that. Uh, Is it zoning? Um, I remove my auditor's helmet. 
and uh, correct correct her and say, oh no, my, my name's Zonin Chan. I've never heard of you. Mm. Yeah, he... Not many have. It's not a big deal. See, Dag's back at our camp. And... Uh, camp, yes. Keeping the fire burning and all that. And Zonin escaped with us. Very well. I assume you're talking about the town. Yes. Nasty business. Now, before we proceed, I do need some proof that you are who you say you are. Do you have her letter or her book? I always have the book with me. Do you show it to her? Yes, I'll open it up to uh, Lean's note and show her. She doesn't touch it, but she uh, leans down and moves her face fairly close to it to squint, and then she nods. Very well, then. Come, we've been waiting for you. Join us. And she turns and strides away without waiting for an answer. And uh, the rest of her people fall in around her, like a more like an entourage than an honor guard. So when she said join us, I hope she doesn't mean, like, join us or, or something weird like that. I guess you'll find out if you follow. Emran uh, puts out his hand for someone's shoulder. You're going to have to forgive me. I'm still getting used to it. Oh, that's fine. She Keva automatically like moves into position. Uh, the uh, It's still night, so you can still see the two crescent moons up in the sky. But it's light enough to see, and like there isn't that much to see as far as you know. It's just the desert, so it's sand, scrub, you know, some some cacti, dead plants, and so on. Now, when you say crescent moons, you mean the weird eyeball-shaped moons, correct? Yeah, those two unmoving moons that constantly glare down from the sky, or comfortingly gaze down from the sky, as the church would say, lighting the way for all true believers through the darkness of the night. Well, that light isn't enough for Zonin. I'm going to put the auditor's helmet back on, back on and ask Matt Damon for kind of a, a rundown of, of what he sees, see if there's any sort of danger to be perceived. Hey, boss, what you want? Oh, hey, I'm uh, just wondering um, what you're seeing through your eyes. You know, my silly old human eyes are not, are not as great as yours. Yeah, well, let's see. Uh, that's the Desert Witch. Uh, she's like most wanted... Uh, what else we got? Oh, oh, that guy used to be an auditor. Uh, he's most wanted. Oh boy, uh, there's a lot of folks here. Very dangerous heretics. Uh, I would, I would uh, strongly recommend you do not, you do not go with these people. Yeah, great. Yeah, I'll take that into account. Um, could you tell me which which one used to be the auditor specifically? Uh, it highlights the guy who's wearing a crown made out of desert plants. Okay. Desert plant crown. Got it. All right. I uh, I take the helmet off and continue walking with the group. As you take it off, you're saying, so like you're going back the way we came, I suppose. <laughs> oh, that Matt Damon. I'll bring up the rear so no one steps on my bugs. <laughs> yes, you've still got a little coterie of scorpions and other uh, like trapdoor spiders and such following you along. Ooh, those are the best types of spiders. I'm trying to hoard them in some sort of, sort of phalanx formation to no avail. <laughs> not, not quite yet. They're still just following you around. You can sense that they're there. Uh, and if you focus, you can sort of can hear things kind of from their perspective, but they're in the same place as you right now. So it's a very subtle difference. 
So you're following her then? Indeed. Yep. Okay. You pass through the desert and you are going up and down dunes for a while. Uh, you're, you're walking behind her for about an hour almost. During this time, she only occasionally exchanges any words with uh, her entourage. But uh, every time she does, the effect is immediate. Like, people will peel off and, uh, you know, disappear in one direction or another. Some are moving back behind you, clearly trying to cover your tracks and stuff like that. So it's all, it's extremely efficient, but they're also sort of laughing and joking about stuff as they walk along. They, they haven't included you in this. They're just, they're just assuming that you're, you're behind them. And you crest a large dune, and suddenly the scenery beyond you changes. It's still the desert, but you can see there are craters in this part of the desert. And the craters have, as far as you can tell, things in them, dark shapes that could be, you know, rocks or metal or something. You're not sure. And then in a dip in the ground, there is a very strange rounded structure that looks like it either thrust up from the ground or perhaps crashed into it at some point. And it is about the size of a two-story house. So it's got like these two... If you think about like a, a turkey or a chicken once it's been dressed, it looks kind of like that. Uh, with the drumsticks sort of sticking up at a 45, 30-degree no, angle into the air, and the rest of the chicken sort of half-buried in the sand. And there's sort of uh, there's some glass uh, around it where it looks like the sand has been heated to such a degree that it's turned to glass uh, and other bits of dirt and rock thrown up around it. And um, it looks like there's been some attempts made to camouflage it, but not a lot. Like there are tarps hanging from it, the colors of the sand, uh, but that seems to be where they're headed. And as you stand atop, as you reach the top of the dune, Amanda Kai turns towards you and isn't surprised at all to see that you're still there and says, obviously this location is the greatest secret that we have. So people have turkey chicken shaped things? Interesting. It, it does look like a chicken, doesn't it? Mandakai says, smiling. Well, let's go see the stuffing. Uh, and she heads down the dune. Um, I hollered down to her as we walk. Um, uh, unrelated note, is there going to be food? Because I just got real hungry. Uh, she doesn't answer. She's actually surfing down the dune on uh, what looks to be a shield that was placed at the top of the dune for specifically this purpose. And the other revelers are leaping on top of these long, oblong-shaped planks of, of metal or wood and surfing down the side of this fairly steep dune. But uh, uh. The, the person who has the, who's wearing the crown of, of sort of thorny plants comes over to you, and uh, they glance down at the helmet and the gauntlet you're carrying, and then glance up at your face. And there's the slightest twist to their sneer. And they say, did you escape as well? I mean, I, I escaped something. I don't know if it's the same thing you escaped. Hmm, then no. Yes, there will be food inside. Come along. And this person also jumps onto a... There are a bunch more of these boards here, and, and they surf down the side of the dune. 
Uh, Zonin was trying not to be rude while that guy approached him, but he couldn't stop staring at these people sand surfing, something he's never done before, and he runs to the nearest plank and gives it a go. Okay. Uh, if you want to try the sand surfing, it's an athletics roll that you have to do, uh, and it's an athletics roll you'll have to overcome with uh, a fair athletics roll. All right. Okay. So what does it look like for Zonin uh, when you accomplish this sand surfing for the first time? I think he, he runs and he just kind of jumps on a plank standing straight up and realizes pretty quickly that he's not able to balance the best that way. So he, as he's stumbling and coming down the hill, he switches to right foot forward stance and just kind of kind of leans into it, carves a little bit, and, uh, and probably ends up going a little more fast than, he, than he's comfortable with. How far down the hill is it? It's, it's a ways. Like this is, if you were to be standing outside of this sort of ring of dunes, Anywhere within, like, as far as the eye could see, you would not be able to tell there was anything here. So it's a fairly deep uh, indentation. It's a couple stories down to get there. Okay. Yeah, I think I think he would just embrace it. I think Jason would be uncomfortable, but I think Zonin would love it. He would uh, he would lean right into it and carve his way down, probably uh, squealing, trying to stifle a squeal of glee. Uh, you hear from the bottom. There's a, a group of people from Mandakai's entourage looking back up at you. Uh, most of them are like cheering and whooping as you come down without falling over. I uh, do a subtle bow when I get to the bottom. A couple of them like run over to you and like they look like they want to clap you on the back and give you high fives, but uh, they're they're a little hesitant because they don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I, I kind of uh, invite them uh, with some like cool, not high fives, but like um, the predator handshake. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you mean. Perfect. Oh yeah, so they're they're all thrilled and they're very excited that you've done this and you've accomplished this and you've done so well at it. And they kind of they kind of look back up the dune towards the remaining three of you. Having just watched Zonin do that, I will just say he does this a lot. We might need that blood tube again soon. Hmm. Yeah. But Keva is secretly like trying to figure out like the best way to get down, but not get sand all over herself. Okay. Can someone please tell me what's happening? Oh yeah. Um, there is a hill, and at the bottom of it is a big like chicken, like cooked chicken-shaped metal house thing. And to get down the hill, they sled. They do sand sledding, like we talked about years ago, but then. The big hill got destroyed by the splinter. Yeah. Now you could you could just walk down if you wanted to. It it's certainly safer. Could someone hand me one of these sleds, please? Sure. But I mean, like, how big is his shield? Could he possibly like go on that like flying saucer sled style? Uh, he could. It it wouldn't look cool, but. Uh... He could sort of pull in his legs and sit his butt down on the center of the shield and slide down if he wanted. You know what? I'm just going to take the sled, to be honest. All right. Uh, so likewise, because you can't see where you're going, you'll need to make a good athletics roll. If one of those, ugh, can't English. If one of us goes down beside him, could we help him by guiding the sled? Uh, looks like you don't need to, but... Um, he got a three. So despite not uh, being able to see what's going on, Emrin is able to... Well, how do you do this? Describe it to us. So Keva hands Emrin the sled. He puts his shield on his back. 
and he walks to the edge and he can feel like the wind start to whip at his face mm-hmm. and he just has the barest smile and he places it on the edge just a little bit over the lip and he um he just leans down and just in a very straight line he doesn't carve or anything he just goes straight down it doesn't fall or wobble or anything i i figure that it's mostly just like a balance thing which yeah, you can still do if you can't see yeah it's just balance uh right so they they also you can hear people approaching you through the sand all cheering and 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 whooping and and shouting in, in glee as you make your way down to the bottom and they're also yeah. You can feel them crowding in around you, but uh, not not touching you, unless you invite them to. Emrin um, just sticks his right hand forward and says, "That was fun." They uh, they take turns shaking your hand very enthusiastically. Yes, it was. It's very nice to meet you. Yes, you too. A pleasure. Yes. Uh, so, how about the rest of you at the top of the hill? Mm. See, whereas. Jason, real life Jason would be scared. Real life Keekers would be all about this. And I don't know how Keva would deal with this because I know she doesn't like to get dirty. Well, uh, either way, there's going to be sand. So like getting, getting dirty is going to be very difficult to avoid here. Yeah, so I figured that she would kind of look at Maeve like, are you going to try? Do you want to try it together? How many people can fit on the sled? You could fit two people on there. Can we fit two people and my bugs all over me? Well, I mean, the bugs, will they'll make their way. Keva would allow the spiders to go on her, but not the scorpions. Oh, no, they would just be all on Maeve. I, I will sit down at the rear of the sled and just kind of put my arms down on the ground and try to see if they'll climb on me. Okay. Uh, a couple of them approach your hand, but uh, like their their front feet, I guess legs, go up towards your hand and then pause, and then they skitter back. Like the bugs never touch you; they only come near you. The vassals may not touch their queen. Now, do you have athletics at all? I don't think you do, Maeve. I do not. Okay. So I figure that it would be my role, and then she would help if that works. Well, she she doesn't have the skill, so she can't help you with it. Dang it. So it would just be your roll, and uh, you'd be rolling for both of you, basically. And because you've got another person there, it will also need to be a good roll. Okay, let me try this out, see if this works. Now, if, uh, if any of you had more than three fate points at the end of the last session, then you still have a total of more than three fate points. Oh, okay. That was a negative one, so that's not good enough. No, it's not great. It's not ideal. Uh, do you want to spend a fate point on this, or are you just going to let it ride? I'll let you know right now that you're, you're not going to get hurt from this. I just figured we would wipe out, but... um. We can just do that. I mean, brown sugar, do you have a preference? I'll take the wipeout. It's a learning experience. Okay, so tell us, tell us what happens. Well, I figure that we're doing this, but, um, I mean, there's this extra, like, Keva has never done this type of thing before. I mean, I could see her trying to go down little hills before, maybe, but not down a really big, big hill, and not on, like, this sort of sleigh, and not with an extra person. So she kind of, like, accidentally goes off course, and they hit on the side instead of the front. 
and then they kind of like go end over end and they're both face plant into the sand. The, um, the people down at the bottom of the hill, they're, they're not jeering or anything. They're laughing sort of in the way of like good naturedly, but uh, they're also rushing over to try and help you up. Emran follows the sound of them. <laughs> they made it look so easy. Hey man, well, you know, it's not as easy as we make it look. It's practice makes perfect. Is a, a young man who's got very long black hair and a purple hat on, and he holds down a hand towards you to help you up. Keva appreciates the fact that he also has long hair, and she accepts his, his hand. He's got a big goofy grin as he helps you to your feet. Hey, I'm Belcamp DeWayan, who questions his worth. Who are you? Sorry, what? My name is Belcamp DeWayan, who questions his worth. Okay, sorry, I'm not used to the whole added thing at the end after the last name thing. I'm oh. just Keva Jarba. Yeah, that's. I wouldn't expect you to have a rebel title. You're not one of us, you know, yet. And there's a, a woman who comes up next to him. She's got uh, like a small afro, dark brown skin, and uh, sort of a timid smile. She doesn't say anything, but uh, she puts her hand on Belcamp's shoulder and um, helps, uh, reaches down to offer Maeve a hand up. I'll take her hand and stand up and then pick up my book. She um, doesn't make eye contact, but uh, she sort of takes her hand away and looks away as soon as you're on your feet. I don't make eye contact either. I just give her a nod, hoping she'll catch in her peripheral. Belcamp observes this interaction, and uh, he gives you another goofy smile. He's like, Oh, that's uh, that's my partner, Algar Trag, whose hands shape the rhythm of love. She's a little shy, but you should hear her on the drums. Oh, so by hands shape the rhythm of love, you mean rhythm like drums rhythm. Well, yeah, that too. And he winks. Emran cocks an eyebrow and, and just coughs. Zonin gets Keva, Go for it. Oh, Keva just pales a tiny bit. She's just a little... Uh, Zonin is just visibly uncomfortable. Uh, the, the person in the crown comes over again and says, Well, I'm glad that you're all having fun. We need to get back inside. There's been activity in the area. Come on, hurry up. I follow Thorn Crown. Uh, Emran p- puts his hand on um, Zonin's shoulder. Now that you're around uh, more of these people, and actually we'll wait for this, uh, so Mandukai has continued ahead, and uh, she has just about reached the big metal chicken. And you see that there's a hole in its side that has there's lanterns placed around it, and the lanterns have been put inside lantern holders or what's the word I'm looking for? I guess just lanterns that have multicolored sort of stained glass. So there are many different colors of light uh, emerging from around this hole in the side of the big metal chicken near the ground. It looks sort of like the hole, like maybe it was caused by whatever brought it here in the first place, but they've tried to sort of like pretty it up a bit. And Mandukai stops uh, at the entrance there and turns to wait for all of you. Was the word you were looking for sconce? Maybe. That's all. That's all I had to contribute. (laughs) It depends on the type of lantern, I think. 
Yeah, I'm not like a sconce is open. I'm thinking this is like a lantern that's closed with the like those angular sides and each side has glass in it. Well, that's just a regular lantern. You might yep. call it the lantern shade. <laughs> yep, it's just lantern. It's just what I wanted to say, but I got I mixed I mixed myself up. See, you were thinking that the lantern was the thing inside of it, but that's either a candle or a wick. Yeah, candle, torch, lit, uh, wick, whatever. The, the fire. But yes, the lanterns have the stained glass. It's a very pretty effect, but all the colors, like you can see different colors sort of softly glowing towards the outside. But as all of the colors from the many lanterns mingle in the middle of the entranceway, obviously it's just white light again. Keva reaches out to, like, touch a couple of them, because she likes pretty things. These are extremely pretty. You can tell that these were made with extreme skill and care. So we're talking, like, maybe, like, uh, Tiffany style? Yeah, this is, like, this is clearly the work of a master craftsperson. Yeah, so Tiffany lamps. Yeah. Uh, as you all reach the entrance, Mandukai sort of turns and gestures towards it. And you can see the inside isn't dark. It's all lit up in there with different lanterns. And the inside is all, it looks like it was originally also just sort of bare metal and maybe some carpeting on some parts. It's all on an angle, but they've built like walkways and wooden planks and stuff to allow people to walk normally inside this structure. But this appears to just be the entranceway. And there's also, there are draperies and fine rugs and carpets and uh, tapestries hanging over what would have been bare metal before to give it sort of a homey, but a little bit uh, haphazard feel. Everything in there, though, is very beautifully made, or at the least, uh, clearly very carefully made. She says, welcome to our home. It's very beautiful. Why, thank you. It's a very nice home. I want to meet whoever made those. What's that smell? Well, there are many smells, but she sort of... Actually, just a moment. I'll have her roll for this. There we go. Okay. Were you... Are you wearing something over your eyes right now? I think that um, he actually usually walks around with his eyes wide open. Okay. Not really thinking about um, the effect that could have on people. Yeah, so she, she sort of looks at you and she makes a sort of a soft sound uh, of... Not pity, but just surprise. And she goes, oh, uh, well, it could be the food. Dinner is about ready. Zonin uh, arches his eyebrows. Dinner, you say? Oh, yes. We have several cooks and chefs who've joined our ranks over the years. Cooks and chefs? Is there a difference? Well, they like to think so. I just don't get involved in their little, you know rivalries. But please, come in. This is only the entranceway. There's so much more I'd like to show you. Keva will be seriously judging the quality of these cheeses. If there's cheese. There better be cheese. I guess we'll find out. Uh, So Mandakai goes in, and the crowned person goes in with her. Uh, They still haven't introduced themselves to you, despite being you know, ordering you around and stuff. Belcamp and Algar sort of uh, linger for a minute, then head inside holding hands. And a few other of the, maybe they're guards, or maybe they're just hanging out out here. They just sort of look at you with uh, unvarnished curiosity and sort of wait to see what you're going to do. Zona wants to take a look around, or Zona does take a look around, I guess, um, at just kind of the different 
headwear that is seen in this room. Okay. Yeah, I mean, how how detailed a look do you want to take? Are you just glancing well, at it? Well, is there anything... You... Well, I guess I'm just looking for anything that doesn't fit kind of a role the way that um, Zone and C's hat's filling. Everyone in here is wearing... Almost everyone in here is wearing some kind of head covering. Uh, Algar is not. But obviously, the person wearing a crown, that's a little unusual. Uh, Belcamp's hat is just... It's a decent hat, uh, you would say. It's it's fine. Most of the hats here are just... They're okay. Like, they're run-of-the-mill, functional hats that have been... You know, had stuff added to them to make them look more interesting or uh, more appealing or just more colorful. There's nothing in anyone's hat that really denotes to Zonin's eye what that person might be responsible for, what they might do. They just seem to be wearing hats for fun. Okay, cool. So Mandukai walks into this ship area and then just walks straight to what appears to be a stairwell at the back of it. And she disappears down that stairwell. Everything's well lit. Zonin, might I ask for your hand as we go inside? Oh, absolutely. Come with me. Well, you, don't forget, you can always make another try anytime you want. Ren's actually feeling rather discouraged about the whole thing. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, so as you walk through, like there's these beautiful plush carpets uh, and rugs underneath your feet covering the walkways they've installed. So it's a bit of a surreal experience because everything's tilted at about 30 degrees from how it should be. But then you're walking along a, you know, a, a walkway that's on the regular horizontal plane that you would expect. So it's, that's kind of a weird experience, probably for those of you who can, who can see it. But uh, you get to the top of the stairwell and uh, you see Mandukai at the bottom of it, walking into what appears to be a cave formation. That's also been done up with rugs and hangings and stuff and lanterns. Uh, Zonin, looking at the kind of what this environment is crafted out of, like it's very different from what we grew up in, yes? Oh, yeah. Is it very different from the hub? It's a lot like the hub. Okay. Uh, Zonin is going to continually be on the hunt still for um, that material to make those glasses or like that sight mask hat for Emron. Okay. Like there, most of the walls and stuff are covered with hangings and stuff, as I've said. So if that material is here, uh, you would have to start sort of rudely digging under their decorations to find it, uh, unless you had someone who could, say, sense it at a distance. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to put that helmet back on as I'm guiding Emron down and uh, ask Matt Damon to be on the lookout. Yeah, where are we now, boss? This looks, this looks dangerous. Oh uh, no! I, I, this is the opposite of where um, the danger is. I, I, I ran from the danger to protect you because we're buds, best buds. Now, all right. I mean, I, I gotta trust you, but this seems. And at that moment, the crowned person walks by the stairway by you, and you realize that there is a name floating over their head, and it says Karis in red with sort of an exclamation point in a triangle next to their name. Okay. And Matt Damon's Talk like, oh, them. geez. Oh, 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 geez. Oh, Gov, you brought us right here. You brought us right into the middle of it. Oh, no. Oh, no, Matt, it's not what it looks like. Um, uh, and I immediately take the helmet off. Maybe Matt is like telling us that Karis will give us a side quest. <laughs> it's like a caution <laughs> sign. I like that. Uh, okay, so... Y'all heading down the stairs? You following, or what do you want to do? Well, Keva is exclaiming over things, kind of like the way moms 
do like, you know, when one mom goes to another mom's house or women, I guess, sorry, this is just something I associate with moms, uh, being like, oh, wow, look at your blank, blank, blank. Wow, that's so nice. Mm. Yeah, Bel- if you're talking about that and Bell Camp sort of is walking with you in Algar as well, and they're uh, soaking in your praise and sort of talking to you about where some of this stuff comes from. And a lot of it seems to have been designed by or, or built or put together by people who live here, wherever here is in the Oasis. There are lots of titles and long names and stuff uh, as as uh, he explains to you who made this, who made that, and so on. He's very enthusiastic about apparently everything. Okay. Oh, uh, I guess, I mean, I know a little bit about weaving. My dad wove stuff, and my mom made dyes and dyed things and did patterns and all that, you know? So I know a little bit about this. Oh, yeah? That's awesome. Maybe we got some of your stuff here. No, I didn't make any. I mean... Oh, sorry, I meant, you I know, made, your families. I mean, if you guys got stuff from that town, it's possible. Hey, maybe. We'll figure it out. Well, let's go downstairs. I'm starving. Is uh, the character possibly known as Karis still in the vicinity? Uh, they've gone further down the stairs, following okay. Mandakai. I want to lead uh, Emran down, following Mandakai, and I want to get within earshot of Karis. Okay. Uh, uh, so if you're if you're hustling, you can catch up to them fairly easily. Okay, um, I'm gonna hustle, and then uh, because I don't know for certain that um, this character's name is Karis, I'm going to do the classic Karis uh, in, in a cough to see if they move their head. Uh, Karis turns sharply and stops, looking at you. Yes. How do you know my name? Oh, and, I, and then pauses. Oh, I just. No, never mind. I, I know how you know my cough. name. <coughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <coughs> and then I keep walking. Watching this go on, I'm going to try to saddle up next to Zonin and maybe hold him up a step or two until I, I believe the one with the thorn crown is out of your shot and just ask him without looking at him any update from your ghost in the shell. Um, well, apparently that guy's name is Karis. Uh, that's all I know. Uh, are, are you trying to whisper this? Because Karis hasn't left. Karis is still staring at you. Oh, yeah, no, I definitely whisper that. Stealthily. I mean, deceptively. Uh, whatever my higher skill is. Uh, whispering, I think we, we would call stealthy. So give that a shot, and Karis will attempt to... Is see. Karis looking right at us? Because I'll try to stare him down. Um... You can try and stare them down. Not like intimidating. That's just like a Maeve reaction. If you look at me, like I will look at you back until you back away or blink first. Well, Karis isn't looking at you. Karis is specifically sort of glowering at Zonin. And specifically Zonin's helmet. I rolled a one on stealth. All right. Let's see how Karis does. The level of the skill is like embedded in the roll on roll 20, right? Yeah. If you hover over the number that uh, the number with the yellow background, it will show you the roll. Karis hears everything forever. Karis certainly hears that, that you said. And Karis says, you don't have to whisper. I know what's in there. I had one once myself. No doubt it's attempted to warn you about me. Oh, you know Matt Damon? Oh, that's crazy. Um, no, he hasn't, he hasn't mentioned you? No, you named it Matt. Fascinating. Anyway, as long as you do not allow it to reveal our location... 
Hmm. I'll have to think on this further. But anyway, Mandukai has given you her blessing to be here. Who am I to speak against her? Are you, like, the second-in-command here? I am Karis Johnson, whose voice whispers Storms, vice-reveler of Velico, yes. Okay, then. Um, all right. So as you're walking down the hallway, it become it moves from being metal at the bottom of the stairs into stone, and the stone is obviously covered in, in rugs and carpets. And you walk through uh, a bit of a a bit of a tunnel, and then the tunnel lets out into a large cavern. It's just absolutely massive. It stretches down, and there are stairs that have been carved all over it, and it stretches up as well. And uh, you see. Along the walls, along the ceilings, uh, which is quite far above you now, those are long stairs, and way down below, uh, along the ground in some spots, are purple and green crystal formations. It's, uh, it's like you've walked into the middle of a gigantic geode. Okay, as soon as Keva sees like it, there's crystals, she's walking over to them as quickly as possible and like touching them and looking at them. They're very large crystal formations. Like there's some smaller ones around the edges where new ones are being formed, but these have clearly been here for a long time, and some of them are as big as you. Can I do a check to see if I can identify what type of gemstone they are? <laughs> yeah, it would just be lore. And okay, let's try. Is, let's try this out. And because this is a type of crystal you haven't seen before, you'll need to make a, a good roll on that. That was a three. That's a good roll. Uh, so, I don't know the exact name of these crystals, but uh, Keva does. Oh, uh, Kikers does as well. They're most likely green and purple quartz, a.k.a. green and purple amethyst. There you go. That's what they are. Yes. The effect so is... Uh, Why is she gasping? Shiny things. The effect is, is pretty impressive, obviously. They've got lanterns hung here and there, and the crystals are refracting and ref uh, redirecting the light all over the place. Uh, so there's... There's light all throughout this cavern and sort of different colors and modeled patterns here and there. So it's uh, it's certainly an effect. It's, you know, it's pretty extra in here. These are so pretty. <gasps> oh, this is great. This is great. And so once you're able to recover from your initial shock of seeing basically the, the inside of a geode all around you. You see that uh, Mandukai and now Karis, who is following her, have made their way down towards the bottom of this gigantic sphere. And you can see that some of the crystals uh, have been obviously removed because there are houses and buildings that have been built in here and walkways and paths, uh, stairs, places to, to, to move. This is not quite the size of a town, but... Uh, there there could be a lot of people living here, like hundreds. And they are heading down towards the center of the sort of the bowl at the bottom, where you can see the reflection of what appears to be a large pool of water. It's surrounded by uh, beautiful mosaic tiles. You can see past it, uh, there are some desert plants that have been potted in nice uh, pottery. There are some trees that have been brought down here. Looks like they've spread dirt around it, or, or earth around it. And uh, beyond it, there's uh, a couple of pens, some silos, and you can hear the telltale sound of various animals. Particularly, you can hear goats and dogs. <gasps> okay. Uh, we need to see the animals first. I have not seen animals in a really long time. 
All right. So if you want to head down there, I mean, you just do. You can see there are a number of people lounging around the uh, the pool in the middle. It's like a very small lake, a pond, I guess, but uh, the water is moving. Like there's a fountain in the middle that appears to be keeping the water in motion, perhaps drawing they, it up from somewhere. Do they look like reverse sunbathers or whatever? I mean, you can't sunbathe underground, but you know, like they're lounging by the pool. Yeah, they're they're lounging around the pool in, in various states of, of dress. I mean, they're not naked or anything, but some of them are just wearing basic underclothes uh, or like swimming clothes. Others of them are fully dressed. It's just a group of people hanging out in, in near the pool. Nobody is swimming in it, though. Are there no swimming signs? There aren't any signs, but it seems to be the consensus that you you don't do that. There is a... <sighs> There is a, a dog curled up right next to the water with its uh, with its nose like inches, like centimeters away from the surface of the water. But even the dog seems to know not to go into it. And there's another dog on the other side sitting up that turns to look at you and cocks its head, uh, tongue lolling out as it pants. Can we pet our your dog? Who are you asking? I don't know, just the person the closest to the dog. <laughs> you just, you just say town. that? Uh, all right, you just blurt out, can we pet your dog? And a number of people look over at you. You see a man, who smiles, and uh, he says, yes, of course. Keva starts going to town, petting that dog. The dog is very happy with this development. It seems to be perhaps the least effective guard dog you've ever met. I will go and pet the other dog. That dog is very old. It's probably, you know, in its teens. But the dog still, its tail thumps a few times as you begin petting. Uh, you see it's her. And she sort of rolls over onto her side to allow you to pet her more. So are we all just like two to a dog petting dogs now? Emren's actually just standing aside while this happens. So there are three people in particular who sort of rise up as Mandukai goes past them and you can hear her issuing orders and people are scattering in her wake as they go about the uh, the business upon which she's sending them. And Karis is sort of following behind her, whispering addenda and uh, additional orders to those who uh, seem confused or whatever by Mandukai's orders. Belcamp and Algar have sort of settled down near the pool as well. Keva's just sort of uh, addressing whoever will listen or whatever. What's this dog's name? Oh, that's Belly. Belly, like... The stomach, or, or yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the the same guy. Or Shawnee says, "Look, you know, if if he turns over, and the dog turns over, and uh, the dog's belly is uh, c- has clearly been badly burned, but uh, it doesn't seem to be impeding the dog now. But it looks like in the past this dog was uh, pretty p- badly burned on its belly." What happened to him? Oh, uh, he came out of Sector 3 a couple months ago. Uh. We actually got we got a bunch of animals out of Sector 3 after, you know. Um, did any goats? Oh, yeah, we got uh, three, four goats, actually. Someone brought him in about mm, six weeks ago. They're back there. Keva in the immediately pen. looks. Keva immediately looks at uh, Maeve and Emran like. <gasps> Remember to exhale after you inhale. 
Okay. Keva now forgets the dog and runs to the goats. All right. Uh, You see there are about eight goats in this. uh, It's just an enclosed pasture basically down here. They've got grass and clover and stuff they're eating. Uh, There's water over in one corner. And uh, there's a... (laughs) Oh! I just saw the icon. There's a familiar looking goat in there. This is genuine. Oh my gosh. Keva like vaults over the the fence. Goes over and is uh crying and hugging this Jolly. Jolly is very happy to see you. Uh, her little tail is wagging frantically. She's buying. She's got like a little customized goat eye patch over her right eye. Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, did I have to do athletics to jump over the fence or? No, that's fine. It's not like a tall fence. They seem to be expecting these goats will just hang out here when they want and leave when they don't. This isn't the most formal town. Yeah. Well, Keva is immediately being like, <gasps> Emrin, Emrin, Jolly's here. Maeve, Jolly's here. Uh, the people around the oasis are sort of turning to look at this with a mixture of sort of confusion and uh, amusement. And Karis pauses to look over the edge. They don't smile, but you can see there's something in their eyes. Jolly, I missed you so much, and I thought you were dead, and I'm so happy you're alive. Meh. That's, that's my goat Foley. It's as good as it's going to get. That was, that was not bad. That was pretty good. Very satisfied with it. I will go lead Emran over to the goat pen. Thank you very much. You see that there's like a gate that you could just open. Uh, nobody tries to stop you there, just sort of stunned watching this unfold. The girl and her goat. Emran scratches Jolly behind the ears. Jolly is um, uh, nuzzling you as well and sort of headbutting you a bit. I hope people are familiar with Homeward Bound because the music at the end, when they all get reunited with their pets, is playing. You just triggered like a deep-rooted memory for me I didn't realize existed. And I just got <laughs> super emotional. Oh, gosh. The the music. Oh, gosh. I love that movie. But Shadow da, Champ. Da, da. <laughs> Zona inexplicably breaks down weeping and he doesn't know why. (laughs) (laughs) Shadow, Chance, and Sassy. Sassy, thank you. I couldn't remember the cat. Oh, no, I could never forget the cat. So somehow Jolly has made her way here to this settlement. The, The guy back there who has sort of a bun and a beard, he mentioned that someone brought her along with a few other goats. Uh, And you can see, you see one of the other goats you recognize as being from your town. Uh, The other goats you don't recognize, though. Jolly, Dag is going to be so happy to see you. I will ask the man with the bun if whomever brought them here is still around. Oh, no, she left pretty quickly after she got here. Uh, who, Who are you people? Who are you? I'm Ted Lee, whose happiness is to live as Velico intended. We're survivors. From Sector 3. Oh, wow. I heard one of the towns there got hit pretty hard. What was it? Town 6? No, no, 7. Yeah, that's 
where we were living before, and I thought Jolly had died, and Jolly is alive, and I'm very happy. You thought she had died? I mean, uh... Oh, you you should probably talk to Mandakai or maybe Karis. I guess you don't know. Oh, man, that's... Wow. And Thed, uh, is it... Is it Thed or Ted? <laughs> it's Thed. I, I okay. mean... It could be Ted if anyone prefers. It's that's fine. The, the, the nod that someone requested. So yeah, that's that's Ted Lee, whose happiness is to live as Velico intended with a, a cryptic pronunciation to you. And he sort of gestures to the other two who are, are congregating towards the edge of this pen and watching your reunion with uh, smiles on their faces. Uh, this is Anarchy, whose pleasure lies in chaos. Uh, that's Yartha Lang, whose dance is in darkness. Uh, you met Belly. Uh, that dog over there, that's Kel. And, yeah, I mean, I think you met Belcamp and Algar already. Yep, and, oh, Keva kind of, like, is, like, embarrassed that she's been so wrapped up in the goat that she forgot to be polite. I'm Keva Jarma. Pleased to meet you. I'm Emran. Pock. Oh, Emran Pock. You're uh, you're Hector's kid, right? Yes. Cool. Yeah, you're about as tall as I thought you'd be. Emran just sort of nods at him while, while blinking fairly rapidly. Yeah, man, like Hector made a bunch of stuff for us. He holds up his shield. Whoa, nothing like that, though. I still don't know how he did it. Yeah, man, I ain't never seen anything like that. What did he make for you? Uh, just, you know, like, swords, uh, plows, shovels. That sounds about right. Real Thank good you. shovels, I though. I bet. Yeah, man, anyway, you should really go. Like, it looks like they're waiting for you over there. He says, sort of looking over That's where Karis is. Karis, you know that idle animation in Sonic the Hedgehog where Sonic has his arms crossed and he's tapping his foot? Yes, very well. Yeah, that's Karis right now. Emran oh. Emran sort of trundles in the in a general in a direction. <laughs> okay. Zonin chimes in. Is it me or is Karis so coolly irreverent? So awesome. <laughs> Wherever you are moving, Jolly is is following the group of you now. Yeah, Keva has picked up Jolly and has taken Jolly out of the thing and is now carrying Jolly. Jolly does not seem to mind. I have set Jolly so that uh, right, I tried to, but anyone should be able to move Jolly around. Maybe not, though. Sometimes roll 20 is a little finicky. All right, so... It's not letting me, but I'll just imagine that Keva is carrying Jolly. So Keva's going to go over and be like, Now, Jolly, you remember Zonin. He's our friend now. Uh, Jolly is, you know, just seems to be happy to be here. I right. tip my hat to the goat. Go you know, just... Uh, you know, goes meh at you. Meh to you too. Okay, so you're led to just like, seems to be a, a large building. And when you go inside, it's full of tables, loud noises, people talking, laughter, and the smells of delicious food. Emran approaches the smell of food with renewed vigor. I'm just putting some, some tables on there so you can imagine. Theater of the mind. Now to reference another movie from my childhood, is it like the... 
when uh, Robin Williams, a.k.a. Peter Pan, finally starts seeing the food on, in Neverland. Yeah, kind of like that. You're doing it, Keva. Oh, gosh. <laughs> uh, I hope there isn't a food fight, though. There are some people in one corner, like this is this is like a great hall type situation. So there are easily 100 people in here right now, maybe more. And in one corner, there's a group of people that are indeed throwing food at each other. But most people are just eating, laughing and chatting or shouting. There are dogs running under the tables, eating scraps and stuff. There's one goat who is standing on a chandelier that's hanging from the roof. It seems perfectly happy up there. No one seems bothered by it. Is it eating like the candles? <laughs> Nope, it's just standing up there, bleeding at people. Jolly, stay on the ground, please. You're holding Jolly, though, right? Did you put her down? <laughs> yes, no, Keva's just not, she's still holding Jolly. She just means like, I don't know. I don't know what she means. That's just what she said in my head. Uh, so Mandukai and Karis have moved up to what appears to be the head table at the, the top of the room. There's a little raised area with uh, a table on it, and... Uh, they sort of gesture for you to come and join them. I will lead Emran to the table. Thank you. Emran will be led and will sit down with Gusto. So Kiva still has Jolly. And it's like, this is this is going to sound weird, but this is Jolly. And Jolly's from our town. And Jolly is my goat. I will do, if you want me to pay you back for Jolly, I will. I don't know with what, but I will pay you for Jolly. Mandukai sort of looks at you, and she's like, I know that's your goat. I assumed you would pick her up on the way. How did you know it was our goat? That's what Lean told me when she dropped her off. Emma drops all the food out of his mouth. Keva, like, freezes. Oh, right, you you disappeared, you don't know. P please sit, please. And she, she says it like, please sit, but uh, what it really sounds like is sit, like in terms of emphasis. She is used to people just doing what she says. Emran sits. Zonin sits. I'm already sitting, but I'm just staring at her, waiting intently for an explanation. Keva sits, but she's like, Lean's alive? Oh, last I saw her, yes, she was. That was six weeks ago, but I don't think anyone would have managed to kill her since then. She's... <laughs> She's quite a woman. Denton didn't kill her? <laughs> As if he could. That petty child. No. No, uh... uh I, I suppose I should tell you what we know, and perhaps then you can tell us what you know. Does that sound acceptable to you? Emerid turns his head to either side, assuming the group is there, waiting for um, an indication. I'll just nod. Sure. Very well. As you know, or perhaps I, I don't know where you've been or what you've been doing, but two months ago, the church led an attack on Town 3-7. And, well, it did not go how they had hoped it would. Normally, when they carry out a purge, they kill all the adults in the town, and they split up the children and send them to other towns, and I, you know how a purge works, you learned in school. But... This time, well, first off, they had Denton and his accursed connection to this false son. And Denton attempted to burn the town, but he did not count. 
on what Lean could do. But, of course, he was always a fool, arrogant man. No, he called down the sun, and Lean sent it away. Zonin has a very confused look on his face because he doesn't fully understand. With that glowing stick, maybe? She does love that gun, doesn't she? But no, no, she simply used her own connection to whatever it is those two are connected to. I don't know, she won't tell me, but they've always had some strange connection to that sun. Ever since they were children. Well, ever since we were children, I should say. Yeah, are they related? Sort of. I mean, it's it's possible, maybe at some point, generations ago, but they did grow up together. I don't know what what she's told you, but when she was a child, she and Denton lived in the, the same quad, and Denton's mother was sent away, and uh, her father was also sent away. So both of their parents uh, joined a new family group and raised them together. Oh. Where are you in this? Oh, I I grew up a few towns over, but we met in the army. What section? Like, what division? Well, I was in the infantry. So was Dad. Goat or... Uh, goat or, or bicycle. No, no, Which no. I was, like, really, like... No, dear, the infantry. Oh, right, sorry. <laughs> So ever since then, two months ago, when Lean sent the sun away, uh, they, well, we evacuated that town. I don't know that anyone's left there, but those who insisted they remain. And of course, the church took them in. The rest of the population, uh, those who didn't die in the initial attack by the auditors, and many, many did. She looks briefly sad, but then wipes the expression from her face. Those who survived, the majority of the town, uh, we've split them up, we've hidden them as best as we can. Did you guys take any kids in? Oh yes, we have some children here. But this place is not the safest. Most of them have been sent to other places, other towns where we could sneak them in, villages, hamlets, there, there are many settlements. Many settlements the church does not know of as well, beyond their borders. Uh, some have even gone, as far as I've heard, to Exile's End. Never been there myself. Would you know who survived? It was looking kind of at Emrin and Zonin and Maeve, though I guess Emrin can't really see that she's looking at him. I don't have a list. I'm sorry, my dear. But uh, I only know who's come here, and... The only person from your town who came here was Lean. Emran nods and takes a mouthful of something. And then uh, Mandukai sort of notices you again, and she... I mean, you can't see it, but you hear the softening in her tone. I was very sorry to hear that your father did not survive. He just keeps nodding. Well, that's what we know. Where have you been? Now, you can you can try lying here if you want, you know, or you can tell the truth, just however you feel your characters would react in this situation. 
Zonin looks to the other three to see, to kind of get a sense uh, whether or not they want to tell the truth. The best lie is always the closest to the truth as possible. Do you say that out loud? No! <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it possible to use notice or rapport or empathy? I'm trying to think, figure out what I could use to maybe get some sort of sense, uh, yes or no, or lie or truth from the other three. Maybe it's going to flip a coin. Okay. Like, like you... does she have a coin with her? I have a coin. I'm not on me at the moment. Somebody flip a coin. You can just slash roll 1d2. Oh, that works. Damn it, truth it is. Have you heard of the hub? I have heard the term before. It's a myth. It's not. Oh. Mandukai leans forward and the table creaks slightly under her weight. And Karis, their eyebrows sort of raise up until they're hidden underneath their crown. Yeah, we found one. And we're living there. Hub is awake, so to speak. This... This can't be. The gods are real. And Emran laughs and takes a swig of some water. Well, that I've never doubted. Keva elbows him. Uh, Mandukai looks shocked. Karis is keeping their face carefully neutral. So... um, How, How did you... How did you find this place? By that, by that I mean the hub, not here. Hmm. It's hard hmm. to explain. I just kind of woke up there. Hmm. If you are not ready to tell us all, I understand, but I hope that you will in time. What do you know about the place that we live in? The hub is said to be a mystical remnant of the times before the emergency. A place where travelers would meet. Exactly. So, if it's a place where travelers would meet, there's a road there. Many roads. And yet, neither the church nor we here in the Excommunicated have ever found that road. I don't exactly know how to describe it myself, but, well, I don't know how much I should say. And she looks at Maeve or the others. It's like a worm traveling through the earth, except you're the worm. Tunnels? Something like that. Less physical, I think. Fascinating. Well, could could you take us there? All of you? Well, uh, just me at first. I would have to make sure it is safe for my people, but... Assuming it is somewhere the church cannot find, I can think of no place more appropriate for those who have been exiled from Gov's kingdom. You're going to want to clean up first. Mandukai sort of lets out a a laugh. (laughs) Is this hub such a formal place? No, I mean, not you clean up. It needs to be cleaned up. Well, one of the places. There were a lot of dead there. Ah, Mandakai says, growing somber again. I see. The main issue is that when we touched the sun splinter that imbued us 
with a type of essence that allows us to use these wormholes. We're not sure if one who doesn't have that essence can go through them. We should be able to fix that with a... Are you going to tell her about that? Yes. Okay. We might be able to transfer a bit of that essence with blood transfusions, maybe? And he gestures and where he thinks Zonin is. Zonin shifts to the left to be exactly where he's being referenced to. Ah, yes, there you are. It didn't work on Jolly, though. Just a note there. Not that we tried transferring blood. I mean, just trying to bring Jolly with us. Well, I am sure that can be arranged, but for now, if there is to be blood shared, you should eat. You look a little pale. Keva is now looking for the cheese. Oh, yeah, some people come up and they're, they're clearly not servants. But it seems to be their turn to serve today. So they bring up big like plates of food to you in like trenchers and stuff. And um, there's you know there's goat meat, eggs. Keva covers Charlie's eyes. At the goat meat. There's a variety of vegetables like squash, uh, potatoes. I guess those are tubers, not vegetables. You know other foods, the type of food that you're used to eating. Well, Keva's probably going to eat anything that's cheese and that they've not had access to. Alright. There's, like, there's some goat cheese. Uh, it's not up to your standards. It's clearly amateur goat cheese. So someone who's not been trained to make goat cheese has made this goat cheese? You would guess that it's somebody who read a book. <sighs> Amateurs. Like a book on goat cheese or just like a book in general? <laughs> Uh, books in general, but in specific, a book about cheese. Oh, okay, cool. Hey, Matt. Yeah. Which, which one of us is holding that, um, that diagram for power cells that Hub gave us? I don't know. The diagram that we used to activate the machine to blast a hole out? Right. I, I seem to remember that one of us has a description of something we're supposed to keep a lookout for. Yeah, you've got... She's given you a, a diagram of what her emergency backup would look like uh, and a right. diagram of what power cells would look like, or at least what would be signs of a power source. Excellent. All right. Thank you. Um, w- would I have fed that information to Matt Damon? If not, could I do so now? If you want to, you can. Yeah, I'd like Matt Damon to be on the lookout. It, it, he has passive awareness, right? Like, I don't need to have him on for him to be looking. Uh, Matt Damon is not active unless you are wearing the helmet. Okay, I want to... Um, I'll wait until... I would I'll like to interrupt you if you try to put on your helmet. Oh, yeah, I'm going to wait till I'm done eating. <laughs> I think Emran is actually going to lean over towards you, uh, Zonin, because now you're on his left. I would... Like to ask you to not put the helmet on in here. I don't want the ghost to know everything. Okay, I can, I can, I can get behind that. That's okay. Wait, if I'm lying, do I have to make a lie check? If you lie directly to the helmet, sometimes you will have to make a deceive check. Okay, cool. So you know you're all eating at this point. Uh, it's just sort of like small talk. Maybe you're asking about the, you know, who made this, who made that, where the food came from. Who made this cheese? Oh, I think that was Algar. Have, has Algar ever read a book? 
Yes, she read a book about cheese. And she thought she'd try making it. How fortuitous. I think I should give her some pointers. I'm sure she'd appreciate it. Uh, Mandukai. Yes, Emran. I believe Ted Lee, whose happiness is to live as Veliko intended, said to me that my father, Hector, he made weaponry for you all? Oh, yes, he did. That reminds me. And she sort of turns to, um, there's someone else sort of hovering near the table. She's like, while you're standing there eavesdropping, would you mind making yourself useful? And she uh, tells the person to go and get something uh, from from the armory, and the person scuttles off. Did you have another question? I was curious if he might have left any sort of guide on how to shape this material, and he uh, he gestures to his shield on his back, or any sort of indication on where to get more of it. Oh, that's the... Yes, well, if he did write such a guide, it's not here. We're not a, a community of... Well, you know, like everyone else, we know how to make things, but this isn't really a a factory. We only make enough to support ourselves. Understood. Most of the time, when we aren't celebrating and uh, living as we believe Velika wanted us to, we have somewhat less savory pursuits. Yeah, I was wondering, so is there, like, somewhere out there, another group that, like, worships Angshuo a lot? Well, it's possible. The excommunicated are many and varied. I wonder what Iterar's destroyers look like. <laughs> All who do battle revel in Iterar's might. I don't want to offend you in any way, but who do you think Velika was? Or is, I guess. Well, we can't really be sure, but all we know is that Velika was powerful, Velika was wise, and whether they were a person or a god, Velika was the one who saw all this, and she gestures just in general. All this coming, and did something about it. And that's something that we respect, and something that we celebrate every day. Mm-hmm. So, what if Velico was... I mean... Hmm. Before she starts, I'm just gonna shoot her a sidelong glance, like, choose your next words wisely, Persian. Yeah, she kind of stops. I'll, I'll come back to this later, if I figure out a better way to say this. What's the name of the structure on the surface that we walk through? Well, I just call it the entrance to the oasis. I haven't, you know, we, we just found it here. What, if anything, do you know about the drumsticks on it, if it were shaped like a chicken, which I believe it is? Well, one time, several years ago, I went to the front part, and there were a bunch of buttons in it. And I pushed one of the buttons, and the drumsticks shot fire out of them. So we assume it's perhaps a weapon. If at all possible... I'm sorry, Keva. Sorry, no, this is actually out of character. How much, like, did Hub, like, explain engines to us at all? Like, transportation engines? If you asked, I'm sure uh, sure they would have. 
Yeah, I don't know if we would have asked or not when we were getting an explanation about um, life, the universe I might and everything. Have, oops, sorry. I might have asked during the period where I had to use the swarm to help them clean up areas. So, it's you know, it's entirely possible that you know what an engine is. Emran perks up a bit and says, uh, Mandakai, not that I want to rush anything, but when that person comes back from wherever you sent them, Perhaps, if there's time, you could take me to the front part of the vessel. I might be able to learn some things about it. I can see through things now. Well, I can certainly send someone with you there, but uh, my time being awake today is coming to an end rapidly. Of course, I wouldn't want to take up all your time. Now then, and Mandukai turns, and the person comes back with a, a bundle, and Mandukai takes it. It's wrapped in sort of cloth and burlap and stuff like that. And there's a, a ribbon tied around it. And uh, the ribbon has sort of like a little charm dangling from it. The kind that Hector would make you make as practice. Something small and delicate and intricate. And this is in the shape of a fox. And knowing that you can't see this, Mandukai puts that into your hand and says, pull on this. Emran does so. So the cloth covering comes away from, and she puts this next into your right hand, the hilt of a beautiful sword. And as you touch it, you can sense that the material through which you can see is within this sword. The blade isn't made of it because it's not appropriate for that, but you can feel it in the hilt. You can feel specks of it running through the blade as if it were somehow mixed with the steel. And the crossguard which has, uh, you know, a, a very lovely design on it, is made of it, as is the pommel, which is a fox's head. You said the charm um, that was on a ribbon, right? Yes. I think Emran will probably tie that around his neck if it's possible. Yeah, why not? Is it made of um, silicographine? The charm is not, but the, okay. the pommel and the cross guard of the blade are, and you can sense that they're... Somehow Hector has mixed it into the steel, like you might do with uh, carbon. He was a genius. He was. He made this for you several years ago now that I come to think of it. When he brought it here on his last visit, he said that he hoped you would never need it, but he suspected that you would. A weapon for a more civilized time, I believe. Thank you very much, Mandakai. It's my pleasure. Emran sort of tucks it into his belt. Uh, like when, Once you've got it, they give you like a, a nice worked leather uh, sheath for it. Not, not, oh, perfect. That no, one's no. not made by Hector, um, but it was made by, the, made by a, a leather worker probably who lives here. It's, it's also nice and has scrolled designs on it. It's elaborate but functional. I like this functional opulence they got going on. Yeah, it's kind of their deal. After that, uh, Mandukai stands from her table and she says, I must leave you for the awesome. evening, but Karis can take care of you. They will take you back to the, uh, it was called the bridge, if you wish, or uh, they will show you to somewhere that you can stay, or both. And Mandukai sort of pats Karis on the shoulder 
And Karis has still got a, a grumpy look on their face, but just sort of nods. Karis, I I would be extremely thankful if you took me to the bridge. Yes, I figured you were going to say that. Hold on a second. Uh, Keva, like, stuffs some fruit into her pocket and is like, okay, I'm ready to go too. And she kind of looks at uh, Zonin and Maeve, hoping that they will go as well. I'm tagging along. Yeah, mouthful Zonin agrees. Oh, oh, ho, 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 and gets up and follows. Karis <laughs> is just like, come with me. Emran stands up immediately. Yeah, we're kind of like a group. That's, that's how we roll. Yes, when I said come with me, I meant all of you. Yeah, no, I know. I'm just saying. Karis uh, walks away. Emran follows close behind. And would like to try and see out of the fox head pommel. Let's see how this goes. Okay. You only need to get an average roll for this. As you can see, I am amazing. Zero. You know what? This is your father's uh, work. We'll say that's good enough. Perfect. Uh, So the uh, area, the geode that you're in is revealed to you in the sort of shifting colors that you are now used to seeing when you look through uh, the the silicate material. And uh, yeah, you can see everything. And seeing as the pommel is sort of poking up behind your shoulder, it's roughly at the level of your of your eyes, if slightly off off center. Now you can see Jolly. Emran just sort of he doesn't have to turn his head to look around, I imagine. No. That's so wild. So yeah, he actually has his eyes closed for like the first time in this entire sequence. And um walks confidently after Karis. It's still strange for you to see in like 360 degrees. I bet. <laughs> but uh, you're you're working on it. You're getting used to it because you can see uh, because this is a except for directly like below you because the bottom of it is affixed into the pommel. Uh, you can see everything that a sphere essentially around you would reveal all at once. That is disorienting. Mm-hmm. So you're all walking. Karis gestures to Belcamp and Algar as uh, they pass the oasis. And those two sort of put down, it looks like they're playing some type of card game. They put their cards down and sort of hustle to catch up with the rest of you. So you two, you're like after Karis? Uh, what do you mean by that? I mean, like, you guys hang out together a lot. Like, you guys, like, Mandikai is in charge, Karis is second in command, then you guys also give orders or something? I don't know. I've never given an order except to count down the time. You know, like a one and a two and a one, two, three, four. And you can see Algar suddenly has a pair of drumsticks in her hands and she's sort of drumming on the walls as you walk down. Belcamp uh, is making the motions of playing a guitar but hasn't taken his guitar off his back. I'm happy that even in the post-apocalypse, we still have guitar bros. They're the cockroach of the music world. Oh, wow. Damn. <laughs> in that they're resilient. Uh, that's That was so man. brutal. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I feel like as a guitar bro, I can say that. Guess we don't have to worry about the sun with all the shade being thrown around. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. <laughs> All right, uh, you make your way through the tunnel, back up the stairs, and you head towards the front of the ship. Uh, oh, sorry. You head towards the front of the metal chicken. No, 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 this is a chicken. Not at all a spacefaring vessel. 
uh, and you will sort of walk through a set of walkways. Again, everything is on an angle. At this point, you're in the ship and you're sort of walking downhill towards the front of it, but there have been rugs and sort of stairs installed to make the trip less dangerous for you. And you pass stuff that, again, a lot of it looks like things you've seen in the hallways and interiors of the hub until you get to what they call the bridge, which has... All right, so you walk into the bridge and there are several chairs and then the front uh, appears to be a big screen, kind of like screens you've seen back in the hub, but badly cracked. So each of the chairs is in front of a little console that's full of buttons and has its own screen. And there are two chairs in the center of the bridge. Uh, the bridge is sort of like a large circular shape. So there are chairs with stations facing outwards around the edge of the circle, and then the two chairs in the middle facing towards the front. And there's sort of a raised platform behind those chairs with a few more stations and uh, chairs behind it. And yeah, you notice that this is, yeah, that this is as I've described. It's the bridge of a ship. Emrin walks towards the control panel. Okay, which one? There are, there are a bunch of control panels. The one that the audience's perspective would definitely be the pilot's chair but Emrin is basically taking a guess. Okay. Uh, so you walk towards basically the front of the circle that's uh, closest to the big screen. The screen stretches all the way around, but you head towards the front of the ship. And one of the seats there at the very front, you sit down, and what happens? Emrin would like to flex his perception and see if he could trace lines throughout the ship. Okay. Uh, so for this, you'll need to make a will roll. And this one will need to be fair. Hey, that's a fair will roll. You can see... Congratulations. Suddenly, how far how far are you pushing? As far as this gravy train goes. Aha, uh-huh. gravy train. You feel your perception expand, your, your eyes, as it were. Your perceptions slip out of the pommel of the sword and into the ship. And they spread out following these lines and following these uh, circuits, these mazes, until... Your perceptions touch the hull of the ship, and then you can see everything around it, because the entire hull of this ship is made of that material. I am... I am so hyped right now. You're gonna get more than just a pair of sunglasses. And... I see the shells of my dead gods. Yeah, you're... you can see for kilometers and kilometers around. I can see for miles and miles. I was about to go there. <laughs> good, good on you. I would like you to make me a notice roll while you're in there. Okay. As you I'll are... also give myself a, a plus two by burning a fate point off of I see through the show. Okay. So you do that. As you are glorying in the sort of oil slick shifting colors of the world that you can see, and you can see it perfectly, even though it's still night outside. You see on the horizon coming from the north, the army. And we're going to pause there. You monster. Uh, 